Welcome to Dispatch In Depth, where we give you the stories behind the science of emergency dispatch. This is an official podcast of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, the world's leading authority in dispatch science. I'm your host, Becca Barris, writer and copy editor for the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. In each episode, we'll be bringing you stories of the fascinating people who work in this area. We'll give you their backstory, including how they got there, what they're working on, and what drew them to the field. These are people who represent the cutting edge in emergency dispatch, and I hope you'll join us to hear more about them. Welcome to Dispatch in Depth. Today, we're discussing public relations in the Dispatch Center. To give us some background and tips, I've got Adam Hines and Alexia Jobson from the Regional Emergency Medical Services Authority, or REMSA Health, in Reno, Nevada, on the line. Alexia is the public affairs manager for REMSA Health and serves the organization by expanding opportunities for audience engagement, promotion, communication, and relationship building. She has more than two decades of business and communications experience in the healthcare, PR agency, visual arts, and property management sectors. Adam is the executive director of Integrated Health and brings 20 years of emergency medical services experience to the organization. He joined REMSA Health as a paramedic and has also held the position of EMS supervisor, clinical development manager, and director of clinical communications. Currently, Adam serves on the Clinical Practices and Standards Committee and Mobile Integrated Health Committee of the National Association of EMS Physicians, as well as serving as vice chair of the Professional Standards Committee of the American Ambulance Association. He is also a member of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatches Board of Accreditation. Welcome, Alexia and Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules to talk to me. So I always like to ask our guests how they got into their current roles. How did you get into your career paths? Alexia, let's start with you. Sure. So I graduated from the University of Nevada, Reno here in town and began working in public relations right away. Did a couple of internships while I was in college and really just developed a passion for this industry. And so I actually worked in healthcare early in my career for a regional integrated health system. And I just developed a real passion for healthcare. And then my career trajectory took me a couple of different places, which I'm very fortunate to have had those experiences, the visual arts, working, as we said, in property management for a regional lifestyle center. So lots of great experiences, but I've always been trying to get back into the healthcare sector and an opportunity presented itself to come in and work for REMSA Health. And I jumped at it. I think healthcare is complex and challenging and it's incredibly rewarding. And I think that really fits the personality of of a public relations person, no two days are the same. We like the opportunity to kind of dig in and manage an issue or a crisis, but also have the opportunity to tell great stories. And I often will say that I have the easy job at REMSA Health. I get to tell the great stories about the incredible work that our healthcare providers and staff do every day. And then once I arrived at REMSA Health, I decided that in order to get a little bit better understanding about what I was hearing in meetings or, you know, to be able to kind of translate some of the stories that we wanted to tell into meaningful things for the, for the community and media to understand was that I needed to understand more about what I was communicating about. So I went and earned my EMT certification a couple of years ago, and that was an awesome experience. Everybody here at REMSA Health was incredibly supportive of that, and it was, it was great. So I would definitely recommend anybody that's coming into the EMS or mobile healthcare industry from an outside career path kind of take that step and get a little bit more acquainted with it. 
Cool. That's really cool. I took the EMD course when I first got hired here, too, because I was like, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be writing about these experiences, but I need to understand what they're talking about. And exactly. it, it just gives you such a different perspective for sure. Totally. And in fact, it's some of the work that we've been doing lately around medical dispatch and helping people understand the importance of that and how we navigate patients and telling those incredible stories. I was actually just talking yesterday with our dispatch manager and kind of starting the first steps and understanding how I can become EMD certified as well. So I think cool. that would be great. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Let us know when that happens. We'll uh, send you a cupcake. <laughs> And Adam, you kind of came from the other side of that, where now you're working in PR, but you started as a paramedic. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I actually was supposed to be, I mean, based on what I had always wanted to be, was a a physician. And so every year for Halloween, I was a doctor. And I went to the university, as Alexia did, the great University of Nevada at Reno. And I was on track to hopefully one day go to medical school. But unfortunately, part of my brain that uh, comprehends physics doesn't work. And so I did not have a very strong score. And so, you know, during that time, I had the ability to get my EMT. And Remsa Health is the exclusive franchise provider for EMS here in our region. And so I got on with Remsa and I worked as an advanced EMT. And I really like the autonomy. I like the ability for me to be out in the community and provide care. You know, many times seeing patients on the worst day of their life and being the person in which is able to get them to where they need to go. Very quickly, they needed some help in dispatch. And so I was able to cross train. I got my EMD and I cross trained in emergency medical dispatch. And when I went to paramedic school, I was able to do two days in dispatch and then two days in the field. And I think, you know, the reason why I have had the privilege of being here at Remsa Health for so long, and this is my 20th year, is probably the diversification. You know, I can come in and I can work in dispatch. You know, we had the privilege of hosting Mr. Jerry Overton a couple of weeks ago here, and, and he had some business in our area. And really, it was so valuable to our frontline first responders, those men and women that answer the phone call, because he was able to share the appreciation. They were to kind of see all of the hard work that they do to maintain our accreditation for the last 20 years, actually, they were able to kind of be able to to have those discussions and talk to Jerry specifically one-on-one on, you know, what are the things in which they would like to see or what are what do they appreciate from the academy? And, and during that time, so that our, our frontline team members could have that, I was able to sit on the board and be able to take calls and dispatch units so that they could uninterruptedly have that. It's really been something that's I feel for for me for a career is that diversification has kept me interested. It's kept me fresh and really has reduced some of the burnout. Fast forward a little bit. I was a paramedic for a long time. I was a supervisor. I was a field training officer. And now actually just before I took this role, I was the director over our dispatch center, which takes about 70,000 calls a year. And then more recently, I've been put in a position where I'm the executive director of integrated health services, really charged with you know, the model of you call, we haul and running red lights and sirens to every single call really does not complement the effort that we're doing here locally, as well as what the academy is, is producing from an evidence-based standard. And so we're really working to embrace that and help our community embrace it so that we can navigate patients to the right level. And that may either be through telehealth, that may be through a nurse helpline, it may be through a different ambulance response. But We're all working, obviously, to bring the right level of care to the right patient at the right time safely. 
Absolutely. And so is that how you got into PR? What You were working as the director of the center. Tell me more about that. How did you get into PR? I can actually tell you a little bit about how Adam got into PR. Okay. So when I arrived at Remsa Health, we were looking for a subject matter expert that could lend credibility, that the community could identify with, someone in a uniform. Nobody wants to hear from the PR flack, right? They want to see somebody that they know has authority and can speak intelligently about the, the topic. So we looked for someone who was intelligent, articulate, good-looking, witty, well-educated, we couldn't find anyone like that at our organization. So we ended up going with Adam. <laughs> Just kidding. De facto. I was de facto. <laughs> He's the only one standing. But in all seriousness, Adam actually is all of those things. And so we identified him as a great spokesperson for our organization. So he was a semi-willing participant and has become an honorary member of the PR team. I mean, I, th I think for me, you know, I don't have any training in public relations or any type of, you know, public communication. My undergraduate degree is in psychology, and then I have a master's of business administration. And so, you know, I, I cannot write a press release. I'm not in a position where I can talk, of, you know, about what's the most important pieces of a, a talking point. You know, Alexia, thankfully, graciously, that's her wheelhouse. But where I think we're complementary is, as she said, you know, I have that experience and, and really it comes down to a passion to highlight the work that we do in EMS, specifically in the areas in which I have expertise and that is both dispatch and in the field. And, and many times you will hear a story in the news or you will not hear a story in the news. And the ability for me to be the champion or the cheerleader for the work that's done every single day in the community that nobody knows about. And that is when you take that 911 call and that person is hanging on to those words until one of our professional rescuers arrives on scene and provides, you know, mobile health care. We got to share that. And so it's essentially I'm the vehicle and Alexia helps me by polishing all of the things that I'm able to share. But the stories and the care and the information is real. I really like that because that was going to be my next question is how do you find common ground between PR and public safety? It's like you said, it's that passion to highlight the work that your workers are doing. So often as an outsider, so to speak, to mobile health care or EMS or public safety, I'll hear people say, I was just doing my job. And that's that's true. Right. But a lot of times what is done in this job is exceptional. And so I think the idea is kind of putting aside some of that humility and saying, it's okay for us to brag about this a little bit. And sometimes I'll say that, you know, like if I'm writing a blog post for our organization, I'll say, we don't like to brag, but we are going to, you know, kind of highlight this amazing call that one of our dispatchers had and that sort of thing. So I think stepping back and going, okay, we do kind of awesome work here. Give yourself a little pat on the back and then figure out how you can start telling those stories and then identify someone and, and work with them. You know, I was very lucky that Adam is interested in getting better at this. We practice before every media interview. Oftentimes we'll find people that are hesitant to do that role play. They think they're going to feel silly or whatever, but it's really important to get comfortable with the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so start there and practice a little bit. And the media is really actually a great partner. I know there's a lot of ideas that public relations professionals or public safety agencies have this conflict with the media that they're always digging for the, you know, the story behind the story. And a lot of times, especially with your local media, they're a great partner. And 
we will just say honestly, hey, we need you to help us get this message out. For example, preserve 911 for emergencies. And they're like, yes, tell us what we can do. And so if you approach that with that positive vibe, I think it kind of flips the narrative a little bit on, on the concern people have about working with the media. Absolutely. So what are some more basic concepts of PR that every PIO or dispatch center supervisor should know? One of the first things I always tell everybody is nothing is ever off the record. So you do want to remember that while I just said that media is a great partner, you should always just be mindful and, you know, kind of the idea of when you're in the dispatch center, everything's being recorded, right? Assume the mic is always hot. Nothing is ever off the record. So, so just be present and, you know, make sure you're putting your best foot forward on behalf of yourself and your organization. I also think another important thing to remember is that it is really a partnership between an organization or agency and the media. So if, if the media calls with a request and either you're just too busy to handle it or it's not the right thing for your organization, you know, see if you can help them in a different way. If you can make yourself available to them, we work really hard here in our organization that when they call with a question, you know, they're working on a deadline, they're reaching out to us because they know that we've been helpful to them in the past. So, so work as hard as you can to make that connection with them. And if you're not the right person, maybe offer up someone else. Say, hey, try someone at the hospital or the health district, that sort of thing. So really building a relationship. I often joke that it's it's not just public relations. It should be called public relationships. I think those are two key fundamental points in how you want to think about public relations. From my side, I think dispatch, I see it as the hub. All that information comes from dispatch. We know where our units are. We know what calls are coming in. And we have that big picture that many times, you know, some of the boots on the ground or maybe some of the individuals that are, you know, in command positions may not necessarily see. And so it really puts you in a prime position to be the person in which has that information. And so one of the things that I like is, is, is the dispatch centers one specifically on social media where you can get engagement where if there are traffic accidents, if there are incidents in the community, if there are traffic delays, if there are inclement weather, you know, 24 seven, seven days a week, the men and women that are taking those calls, feel it, see it, hear it. And so the ability for them to push that out, we like to use social media as a trough. If you think of it as a trough, people are going to drink from the trough if it's clean, if it's dependable, obviously there, if it's being replenished with frequency. And so there's engagement. And so what we see is as we push out information through social media, we will get engagement from our local media partners to say, hey, we want to get more information or we want to be able to tag up on that. Or, or is somebody available for an interview from your center that could be able to provide us with information on heat emergencies or, you know, what, whatever it is that we're seeing, traffic delays. And so I think that that's important. I also think it's important to just have a calendar. We know every year we're going to have Halloween. And every year it's important for us to remind the public that children are going to be out. They're going to be excited. Their costumes may be in a position where it really decreases their visibility and they're just focused on candy, and it's important for drivers to be in a position to be vigilant and watch out for them. And so that's one example. Obviously, telecommunicators week. So you can set a calendar of and identify something probably every, minimally every month, maybe every other month, where you're pushing out information 
to highlight your dispatch center and what they're doing to do it. Our people provide life-saving instructions. When somebody calls 911, they're not just saying, sure, we're on the way. You're providing CPR instructions, Heimlich instructions, bleeding control, safety, all of those things that many people don't think about. And is an opportunity for you to say, when you call 911, care starts with the call. Exactly, exactly. And I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't realize that care begins with the call, right? They don't understand that there are pre-arrival instructions and post-dispatch instructions that, yes, an ambulance is coming, but also the dispatcher is going to help you. Even if they're not giving you, you know, Heimlich maneuver instructions, they're there with you on the phone as long as they can be to be that voice of comfort and reason, the vast majority of people, you know, we're not obviously saving people from the grips of death every call. You know, endemic across the nation is people that are calling for many things that are not emergencies. And, and you know, we have to work as a system, as a healthcare system, to find different social services. And that's why it's important for us to navigate patients to the right level of care. However, this is their first emergency. It may have been your 20th or 30th or 40th call, but it's their first emergency. And so the compassion that is provided to individuals until somebody gets is extremely important. And we have had many different testimonials of people that just said, thank you for being there in my time of need. I think if the public knew about a tenth of the calls that emergency dispatchers get every single day, they would look at the profession differently, right? And they would kind of understand more what dispatchers are going through, which is what your job is, right? So let's say Let's say I'm someone at a small agency. There aren't very many dispatchers. I I maybe don't have a lot of time to, you know, contact the media and things like that. Would you say that social media is a good way to start building those bridges with the media and then also the community? Absolutely. And I'll let Adam address this a little bit more. He does an exceptional job at this. But I think he touched on it that if you can, as as the hub in your dispatch center, get permission from whoever it is in your organization, which, by the way, should have a media policy in place. So you should get permission to be able to do some of those social posts, whether it's a tweet about a traffic accident or, you know, a Facebook post about how to drive in inclement weather, that sort of thing. And then the media will get tuned in to looking to your agency for some of those tidbits. And then they'll reach out and say, hey, can we get someone on camera to talk about how to drive in inclement weather, that sort of thing. So that's one way that you can build those relationships through the media. And then I'll have Adam talk about how he has built relationships with our local media through social media, and he's an expert at it. Well, I thank you for that. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I definitely have learned from many different talented people, including Alexia. And one of the things that I think helps is when there's an incident, when there's a large incident, you know, those individuals that are on scene are providing direct care. And so their focus many times is going to not necessarily be to Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or whatever social media that you use. And so dispatch, again, is in a prime position to have that whole picture. And one of the things that we like is, is a template or some sort of formatting that allows for you to stay on script, allows you to provide reliable information just in time. It can't be five hours later. That's not helpful to anybody. And so the ability for you to push that out timely, use a script 
scripting in which people is compliant so that if there are seen security issues, so if there's an active incident where it may put somebody in a position of danger or there are patient privacy concerns, all of those things are already pre-discussed and that format allows for you to put the information and push it out. And then you have a suite of different pictures or whatnot that you may use. And then that allows for your public relations person or your PIO to not necessarily have to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Although they are, they're not sitting at the bedside waiting at two o'clock in the morning to push out a tweet that there may be a traffic delay. The other thing that I think is important, and Alexia doesn't particularly like this term, and this is actually an example of something in which you have individuals from the field that are maybe not necessarily as refined in different word choices, but I use it as a social stalker. She likes me to use the word social sleuth. But part of the way in which I try to build relationships with our media partners is I'm obviously friends with them in different mediums. And so it allows for me to celebrate some of their successes. So when a studio promote somebody to the anchor desk and they come out for an interview, I can say, hey, congratulations on your promotion. I see that you're on the weekend desk, anchor desk, great job. Or somebody has a birthday or some of the stuff is just really, you know, things that people wouldn't pick up on, but their graphics may change. Their weather graphics may change. And that's really exciting to the weather team. And when they come out to talk to me about the the heat I can say, you know what, cool graphics, that's really fresh, that's awesome. And those type of things, I think, for me specifically, have built relationships. So then they say, oh, I saw it was your daughter's birthday this last weekend. Or, And really, I think, not that it changes the content of the message, but when I get ready to provide the information, I feel much more relaxed. I feel much more conversational. And for me, it's really a good experience versus it being very sterile, very uncomfortable. There are times where we have to talk about some of people's worst days. There are times we have to talk about things that have opportunities for improvement, whether that be in the organization or for our city or for our community members. And sometimes those conversations aren't just the celebrations. And so having built those relationships, I think, help bridge and help make you, you know, at least connect better. I love that because you're not just seeing the media as this monolith, right? Because when I hear the phrase the media, it's just this big faceless camera. But you're right. It's and especially on the local level, it's made up of individual people. And in order to break down that stereotype in your own mind, you have to make those individual connections. I love that. That's a great tip. That's fantastic. The other thing that I will share quickly is This pandemic has put a lot of strain and stress on all of our resources, our healthcare resources, our public safety resources, our dispatch, our employees. And really early on, a lot of people were scared. There was not a lot of information. And so we had to provide the information many times, which was breaking. We were just experiencing this. And so the ability to build that rapport that thankfully had already been built really provided comfort. And some of the things that we had heard, and I'm not tooting a horn, but I think is super important is, you know, because it's easy for an organization to have anybody that's there be on camera. So if you're there, you're, you're convenient because it's difficult. There are times where I have to come in on my off day. There's times where I have to stay late. There's times where I'm here at four o'clock in the morning so that I'm here for the morning show. And Alexia is right there with me. So it's not that I'm the only one, but it just does put me in a position where I have to do that. But some of the feedback we heard is just during that pandemic or during when that information was breaking, having somebody in which we've seen before 
that is comforting to us, that we have heard other things and trusted them, really provided comfort to people in their homes when they weren't going out. And, uh, you know, I think that's a key thing to think about. Not every organization is interested in doing that. But I think for us, that's really worked for our community. I think that's wonderful advice because you want to have built that relationship before the really big things happen so that when the big things do happen, like you said, you're already a known presence, you're a known face. They know that they can trust you. So my last question for both of you is what is one thing that you'd like our listeners to come away with? I think it's returning to the idea that there are stories all around you in your organization. And so just opening your eyes to the possibility that what you might consider as mundane or just a regular old day at work really has the potential to be exceptional and important as a story to be told through the media to the community. And whether that's helping someone understand the importance of expanding a community's knowledge about hands-only CPR to kind of acknowledging an incredible call that a dispatcher had across that spectrum. I think there's just really no shortage of great stories to be told. So kind of looking at it through a little bit different lens than your everyday job. I think for me, it is important specifically for that individual that's going to be on social media or the person that's going to be on camera. Again, I have no skill in that or at least no professional training, but part of what I signed up for is that I have to live the brand. And that means that when I'm in the community, there are people that recognize me. And if I am using the 10 items or less and have 20 items, or I'm parking in a handicap stall, or I am you know, engaged in a social media war, that really does not reflect well on the brand. And I'm associated with that brand on and off duty. And so it is a commitment. It requires you know, me to think about everything that I do to ensure that, you know, obviously I have my own personal life and I share personal things with people, but I also am mindful that it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's a brand specifically for Remsa Health that is in our community to promote the health of individuals, to promote compassion, clinical excellence. And so any individual that's interested at representing their communication center, you know, I applaud you. It's hard work. It's something in which you constantly have to think about. And if you're committed to doing it, I'm sure you'll do great with being able to highlight everything that your team does, because every day there is something that we should be proud of and we should be celebrating for those men and women answering the thousands and thousands of thousands of 911 calls across the United States and the world. I think Adam raises a great point about living the brand and One of the ways to think about public relations, kind of getting back to your earlier question about kind of PR 101, is that I tell people it's my job to protect and promote the brand and reputation of our organization. And so protecting it is is one part of that, but promoting it is the other piece of that. And so when you, you put it into that context, there's incredible opportunities to promote the brand, which is, of course, as Adam just said, providing skilled healthcare over the phone. And so that's a fundamental building block of your reputation. And you can use these tactics to promote that. And ultimately, that's building up a protection around it for, as we just said, when something goes a little bit off the rails or there's an opportunity for improvement or there's a pandemic and we need to feel like the experts, having that foundational reputation in place allows you to protect that. 
a word that popped in my head while you guys were talking about that was just integrity. Because you're right, you are representing a brand that is at its core about taking care of people. And if you aren't taking care of your connections in promoting this brand, right, it it doesn't matter the quality of care that they're giving. It doesn't matter what amazing saves they've done. If you guys aren't upholding that, if you aren't shoring that up, there's there's no point to it, right? That's right. Thank you both so much for being on the podcast today. And if people want to follow you on Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or is there another one that I'm missing? Instagram. <laughs> what are the handles for that? They can follow at Remsa Health on all of those platforms. And then I am Remza Adam on LinkedIn, Twitter, as well as Instagram. And I'm working on a TikTok page. Oh, incredible. Also, I would just like to put a plug in for Adam's sock game. I'll just be scrolling through the IAD's Twitter and it'll be like, ooh, check out these sweet socks I'm wearing at this conference. And I'm like, those are some sweet socks. So, you know, if you're not really big into the PR, if you're not like, listen, I want to scroll through some PR stuff during my off time, you don't have to. Adam is both. He functions as both. (laughs) Well, and just to also do a plug for Navigator, this last year those one of my socks has ambulances on it and uh pdc was actually very gracious to provide those and so if you have not been to navigator we had the opportunity to present this last year in las vegas and although it was record-breaking heat it was cool inside and the topics were awesome and so i hope to see everybody in nashville next year where it will be hot and humid but less hot hopefully because it's going to be april instead of july so fingers crossed right (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that's right. And country music. And country music. Who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> yeah. love Nashville? That's right. If you have ideas for guests or topics, go ahead and contact us at dispatch in depth at emergencydispatch.org. And I hope to collaborate with the two of you again soon. Thank us you. too. Thank you. This was great. Thanks for listening to Dispatch in Depth. Remember, it really helps if you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dispatch in Depth is hosted by me, Becca Barris. I'm also the technical director and producer, and Matthew Maiko is the executive producer. 